Also, like that little mousy kid's not going to do much if there's a murderer downstairs. You know what I mean? Like, what what's is he a murderer? <laughs> murderer. Murderer. He's going to murder her. What? <laughs> I have not heard that. It's a it's a slang term. It's the Hamburglar's recheck brother. That's what we say up here in Maine. Yeah, it's a Maine term. Oh, we got another murderer on the oh, loose. Don't get murdered down there. <laughs> you don't want to go down those stairs right there. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about In the House. In the House went 76 episodes over five seasons, originally airing on NBC and then moving over to UPN. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called Getting to Know You, originally airing April 10th, 1995. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, most of the boys, Joe, Berg, and Gordo. What's going on, guys? Hello. I'm the Banana Bandit. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I almost did. Oh, God, we're poor white or we're poor black white trash. I was like, I probably shouldn't say that, but now I just said it. You oh, said now it. you did. Well, it's funny, Joe. <laughs> the, in my notes, the one you went with, I have listed as second best line in the episode. The one you said was your alternate. I have listed as first best line in the episode. There it is. Deepest, bluest. My hand is like a shark's fin. It's my hat is like a shark's it's fin. It's not. It makes more sense that my hand. Looks- but at no point in the movie does he put his hand like that. It's, he wears it. He always wears his hat backwards. So he becomes a shark. The fin of his hat is sticking out. His hat is that like a shark's fin. That doesn't make sense. Fin. The hat's going to be Okay, sideways. but that's the lyrics because I know the lyrics <laughs> of the song. Not. It's not. So do I. And that's why they dance like this. He says it like it's it's the word hat, and then you can look it up, and it says hat. Documented lyrics from a song from 25 years ago. Mr. Mr. Cool J, please listen to me. And, and I am. To, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, Jay and I are both LL Cool J's. Can we talk about how great of a name it is to be a rapper, and your name is Ladies Love Cool James? Like, that's a great fucking name. Rappers had so much cooler names, and before everybody just had fucking eyeball tattoos, rap used to be so fucking cool. Give me the Fat Boys, give me Rhyme Pays Era Ice T, give me NWA, give me LL Cool J, Run DMC, uh, again, Fat Boys, the greatest rap group of all time. Fat Boys. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, to rewind a little bit, uh, yeah, we're doing In the House, which stars LL Cool J. So, obviously, how can you not bring up his hip-hop career? Uh, I want to start by mentioning I I picked this episode, and I think um, the only reason I really picked it is just remembering the show. Like, I remember liking it as a kid, but it, I don't have, like, a strong memory of it. I just remember seeing it, and I loved LL Cool J as a kid. I did think he was very cool, <laughs> and um, so it was just, I don't know. I was like, yeah, let's revisit. You know, uh, I kind of like going back to those shows that are kind of forgotten with time. I watched this show as a kid, too, and I remember really liking it. And for some reason, all these years later, and I was kind of hoping the joke would be in this episode, because the only thing I remember, aside from some of the conceit, is there's a line in the episode where he goes, you can call me Marion. That's my name. Or you can call me Mr. Goodbar. That's what the ladies call me. And that line has been stuck in my head since 1995 or whatever. And I was like, I wonder if that was in the pilot. But it's no, it's in some middle episode because I watched so many of these. I remember a line from not even the first episode. Yeah. And I mean, it it's not it's not pilot exclusive. So I only want to briefly touch on it because we only do the pilots. But I guess for argument's sake, we're 
you know, just mentioning the show. This is like a rare case where I think it was two seasons in. I mentioned it went from NBC to UPN. When it left NBC and went to UPN, they basically scrapped the entire premise of the show and retooled it like almost entirely. Like they got rid of that whole family and then it just Good. became more of like a show about I don't know. Ex-football player, Ella Cool J and his friends. Yeah, it's weird that they did that after two full seasons. But I think the kids stay in it, though. I think just the mom goes away. Good. The kids are, the kids are great. The mother's terrible. Um, We'll talk. We'll talk yeah, more we'll about see. I mean, like, she's not given a lot. I mean, she's given. Too, she, I don't know. Yeah, she's not great in this, for sure. She's not great in the pilot. To be fair, they are tenants in his house. So technically, you can write them off. They could just find another house. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can find any way to get them off the show. But but I will say, though, that would make more sense if you were like, and Kramer's moving to California and they do the show like that because he's like an iconic character. But like LL Cool J on season three of In the House wasn't like an established enough character to be like whole show changes. Now, two more seasons that are nothing like because like Alfonso Rivera uh, Rivera comes into it, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the one of the guys that gets added on. Wait, as in Carlton? Yes. Well, no, he's just not Carlton. As in Carlton is like the actor who plays Carlton. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how that's how different the show gets. They have to give him like a wacky friend because the mom's gone. I think he dates a bunch. And again, it's been so long, but this show didn't really live in syndication. Yeah, this one just kind of disappeared with time. I think we may have talked about this before. I think a lot of the shows that became like UPN shows, I don't know who owns them now, but a lot of that stuff hasn't kind of resurfaced. Yeah, like we were talking about we did Steve Harvey show where like this show went like 200 episodes and it was good. Why can't you watch it anywhere? You know what I mean? Like I understand we bring this show up every once in a while too. Like I understand no one's clamoring to watch old episodes of Nick Freno licensed teacher. <laughs> Joe always says we when he means I. Okay. We, we don't bring up that show. You bring up that show. I constantly bring up Nick Frito and his job as a licensed teacher. Like, you know, again, I say all the time in these episodes are like, these people own streaming networks and this shit is free content. Just put everything against the wall. You're eventually going to get somebody who wants to see whatever show and buy a month of it and then let it lapse and have it for a fucking year. I should be head of Peacock is basically what I'm saying. The head cock? I want to be head cock. I actually <laughs> would rather work for Paramount because then I can hang out with John Taffer and he can tell me about butt funnels and just yell at me in bars. Joe's the head cock. <laughs> we're, we're time to pivot, but I want to remind everyone, S21Pod is where you can go to find us. Uh, follow our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, etc. We're on basically everything, but uh, give us a follow. We, we, we'd like to see a little bit more um, people flock over towards our social medias. Our, 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 our downloads don't seem to add up to our social media following at times, so we would like to see you guys join us there and interact with us we post uh, plenty of content videos all that stuff yeah make some requests last week we uh did the nanny which was a request from a listener and then this week we're doing another show about a nanny from the 90s with a star who was big in the 80s and 90s from new york yeah yeah it's basically the same show basically the same show and uh we're not gonna do who's the boss yet which is a very other popular nanny show but maybe a character from that I mean, show he's a might show housekeeper <laughs> Uh, Joe, Joe is teasing a potential Tony Danza appearance, but I will tell the listeners. You heard it here, folks. We're doing taxi. <laughs> no, not yet. I've wanted to do taxi, actually. I mean, eventually we'll for sure do taxi. But um, the show that Joe is teasing, we might not be able to find. So don't get your hopes up yet. We have faith in you, buddy. You can find it. I, I will try. That being said, again, though, real quick, though, is this streaming anywhere? We just said it. In the, <laughs> in the house? I, no, we, we just talked about how we can't find it anywhere. <laughs> no, I didn't know if you said that you couldn't find. Well, we, I said it wasn't um, like a syndication. It wasn't on a lot of these networks. But like yeah. sometimes you can watch it on like Tubi or some episodes or something. Tubi? I didn't see it anywhere. The only copy is that we watched, full disclosure, is like you can tell it was ripped off 
television because it's like cuts that we see a, a glimpse of a commercial here and there so am i the only one that was disappointed that we didn't get to watch the commercial always yeah that first commercial yeah. cuts abruptly and i'm like oh come on i forget one of the shows we did that we had to find like that it had like 1987 commercials or whatever and it was so much more enjoyable I than the show we did bless this house problem um guy guys uh foot and mouth it's on hbo max i just oh, pulled shit. It up. is it really wow okay yeah all right. Well, we should just edit out the whole last conversation we had. <laughs> so we could have a five-minute episode. Well, I could have watched this much clearer. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to have seen this in high definition. Yeah, they have all five seasons. Why wasn't there a better rip available then? Let's <laughs> get that shit. Well, that being said. There's no demand for it. <laughs> yeah, let, let's get right into it. So in any event, the show starts. It's just like a black screen. We got a title screen, white letters over black. Just says the word Jackie. And we meet the character, Jackie, who looks like she's in a job interview. And she's telling the person interviewing her that she hasn't worked in like 20 years. Last time she worked, she was a waitress and she was putting her husband through law school, which was about 19 years before his midlife crisis, who is named Sasha. Now, I, I do like where we're going with this. And I do like the title screens into you're laying out a lot of a uh, plot right away, right? Yeah, um, I, I guess. I'll weigh in on this a little bit more after we finish the entire, because there's a lot of back and forth. Yeah, this is the first time we meet Jackie. I just guess, I don't know. Um, well, I guess we'll bring it up later too, but I think of this show as something that's marketed as LL Cool J show, but he's a side character. You know, yeah. you kind of think that he would be the first person you see when the show starts. Well, Debbie Allen at this point had just come off of A Different World, which did like six seasons. It was a huge, huge show. I would love to do that one day. We've talked about this before, though, but we can't do A Different World until we somehow find a way to do The Cosby Show. And that's just a can of worms. We you can know? do The Cosby Show. Oh, yeah, I think we can do it. I'm just saying it's going to be a can of worms episode. And I don't want to. I don't. <laughs> you should. Uh, Gordo, you should uh, put a petition in now to not. Bill Cosby's a sexual predator. All right, we don't agree with that. Yeah, now we can do a Cosby show. <laughs> well, to pivot, yeah. And then we meet Marion's character. And it's the same thing. It's a black screen, just says Marion. And now we see him talking to his coach, Marion L. Cool J. And he's like in the coach's office and he's telling him that he knows that he's had a lot of injuries, but he was also the second best rookie his first season. And that, you know, don't look at his knees as reconstructed, but rather retrofitted. Which actually, I did like that line bionic that's always weird to me not to pivot into wrestling right away but you hear all the time in the world of wrestling that like oh he was a great football player but it just destroyed his knees so he got into wrestling and i'm like wrestling is also terrible for your knees yeah that yeah. happened there's so many of those guys i never understood that like wait a minute do you have that thing where you're constantly in a squat and lifting with your legs like this has got to be terrible for your knees i don't know yeah weird l cool j would have made a cool wrestler yeah he has like the personality and physique and all that what do you think his name would be LL Probably cool, LL cool J, which is a great name already. Now, is Marion his real first name? No, no, James. it's James. Ladies love Cool James. That's what the J's for in LL Cool J. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Marion is just such a out of left field name that, like, that's why I was wondering if that's like his legal name. Well, we'll not. get in later on. There is a joke about it. I don't know. Uh, it's not super common, but it's not the most like it's not a strange name either. It's it, it's an actual name. So yeah, right at this point too, we're coming off of Marion Barry being really big in the news in the early '90s with like when he was the mayor and then he got arrested for like all the crack stuff and then got out and became the mayor again. Like that was in the zeitgeist. I mean, they they reference stuff in the zeitgeist a lot in this. Like later on, they reference stuff from like the Northridge earthquake that just happened. So I think it may have been like a nod to maybe that. That was like the next thing that gets brought up actually because he was saying that you know when he was talking about his knees, you know they were talking about it like being beat up. He's like 
you know, so it was a Santa Monica freeway. That thing got hit, you know, like to the deck, but everyone still drives on it. Which I tried to look up if people actually died in that specific collapse, but I can't find a yes or no on that. It looks like most people who died during that earthquake died in like a one single building that fell down. I don't think they they didn't die from the earthquake. They died from falling and from getting crushed. I yeah, think. that's fair. Don't blame Northridge. Was that the one that destroyed the bridge when like we were really young? Like yeah, this was ninety four, so we'd have been like nine. This was uh yeah the whole L A freeway, the whole big section of it. I thought Santa someone did die. I'm sure they did. I just couldn't find like numbers on it, but I thought it was a weird joke a year later to be like, yeah, so a bunch of people died doing that. So let's reference me to it. Lol. It's like nineties. We were pretty young when this comes out, too. We're all, you know, we're around eight-ish. I mean, it's a year earlier. I mean, a year later. I'm surprised he wasn't like, I'm a great football player, like OJ, which would have been the best joke ever. <laughs> the scene has a lot of back and forth, right? So I just said, we, we meet Jackie, then we meet Marion. And then we kind of get these flashes back and forth. It's back to Jackie, back to Marion, back to Jackie, back to Marion. And they're both kind of doing the same thing, right? They're both presenting their case why they should be in the situation they want to be in, whether it be get hired for the job or, you know, go back to your football career. But they're both presenting it in the same way. And it kind of ends with them both saying, what do you say? And from there, we get into the intro. The intro, um, not much to say about it. It's annoying as fuck to me. Yeah. Just like weird voices going in the house. It sounded like maybe the kid who plays Austin was saying it. I don't know if it actually was, but it sounded like a young boy around that age. Yeah, it sounded yeah. like a kid's voice. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I thought it was a kid. But yeah, it's just kind of like some moving text and just that music. And the logo makes a house. Yeah, it's a little lazy. Not to bring up wrestling again, it kind of looks like the In Your House in your logo. House logo. It yeah, does it look does. like the In Your House It's the logo. same colors, too. Which Would that have been the same year as the first In Your House, 1995? Um, you know, one way to find out. I feel like it was 95. The first one where they gave away the house. In Your House 1 happened in, it was May 14th, 1995. Boom, there it is. So so, so that's what, a month a month after this came out? Yeah. That's that's weird. That's just, that's <laughs> just Vince. Motherfucker stole my logo. Well, it would even funnier, though, because this whole thing is about people moving into a house. What if the sitcom was they move into, like, the flat split-level house they made in the bottom Florida for, like, the kid? Or, or it was quick turnaround, and Vince was at home watching this one. Oh, that's good shit. <laughs> to be fair, in wrestling, you can move so quickly that that's a distinct possibility. Uh, is this also the year that The Simpsons gave away a house? I do not recall. Remember The Simpsons gave away a house? Was it a house that looked like The Simpsons house? Was that yes. the conceit? Yes. It I feel like that Simpsons. was way later. I think I was going to say it would have been a coincidence if all these houses were given away. The mid 90s was really big on giving away houses. Uh, that is not anybody's doing that anymore. in This current economy. 1997, they gave the house away on The Simpsons. So, yeah, from there, we get to the next scene and it's um a realtor showing Jackie's two kids around the new place that they're moving into. This doesn't make any sense to me at all. They've already Neither. moved in. There's already stuff there. So I don't know why the realtor is walking the kids around. I don't know. It was just very strange. Also, the I mean, look, again, I don't know where they lived previous to this. You never see their original house, but they're just like shitting all over this house. I'm like, this, this is a giant beautiful, house. giant, yeah. huge house. Yeah. Like the logo of in the house doesn't make any sense because that looks like a house you draw as like a five-year-old. This is like a like a mini mansion house. For sure. Yeah. Because the. Like, the first thing we see is Tiffany, who's the daughter. There's two kids. So Jackie has a son and a daughter. Tiffany, the oldest. I would peg her to be right around 16-ish. She looks old. I don't know what she's supposed to play in the show, but she looks a little older. Yeah, I think she's high school and he's middle school. The son looks very young, but he's like a kind of a petite kid. So there seems to be a little bit of a gap between the two. 
But yeah, Tiffany says like, oh, there must be some sort of a mistake. You know, you must have us confused for the poor family. Yeah, this is not a poor house. And Austin's like, oh, we are the poor family. And it's like, I understand we find out their father was like a lawyer and they probably were doing well, but this is a very nice house owned by a football player. Yeah, this is a nicer house than any of us ever grew up in. Like, what the fuck? This is not. I thought that was a little strange the way they presented that, her being, because she really drives it in. Because yeah, this is the part where she's like, we're poor, black, white, trash, or whatever. Yeah, well, she's like, there's no gates. And I do like, she says, people don't rent homes, they rent bowling shoes. <laughs> yeah, the, the only argument you can make for it is they were rich. So they must just be used to something way more extravagant. Yeah, but how rich? Like, this is already yeah. a very, very, very nice house. Well, they were. she said there's no gate. They were clearly in a gated community before. Yeah, but a lot of houses in L.A. have gates just because, like, the property off the street and stuff. Like O.J.'s house. If you're an NFL athlete playing for the Raiders, like, you probably have some money. And you probably have a gate in your house. Um, I did actually look this up because a little later on in the episode, they do bring up some money stuff when they talk about paying uh, Illa Cool J. So I just looked up what the uh, salary would be for a uh, rookie in the NFL in 1985. Uh, that year, it was bumped up to $119,000 a year, which in today's money would be uh, just a shade under 233 grand a year. Yeah, but that's in that would assume that you were average. Oh, he, he's likely making more. That's the starting salary. There's like rookie pay scale. So like in, it's it's ever changing. But yeah, depending on how good you were, if he was playing as. He could have made much more, but he wouldn't be making any less than what now would be 230 grand. Okay. All right. That's the, the threshold. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's the absolute minimum. You come in as a rookie. You have to get paid that. You can't get paid any less. So he could have been likely making more than that. But 230 grand a year is not bad. If they wanted to drive in that they're poor, they should have showed the outside community. Even if the house is nice, like make the community like shitty. Yeah, like he bought, like he built like a McMansion in the middle of like, what's the old adage? Do you want to have the best house in the worst neighborhood or the worst house in the best neighborhood? Yeah. Like he did the opposite, you know? Because anytime the front door opens, you hear gunshots, something like that. Oh, that'd be pretty fun, actually. Yeah. Well, actually, to, to a different point, he does say later that he bought every single one of his family members Alexis. Alexis, yeah. So he couldn't have been doing that bad in that house, clearly. Wasn't no, he's that mentioned before. a few. There's other callbacks to his finances where he talks about taxes a lot, too. Yeah, he's obviously bad with money. He's had money, he's just bad with it. At this point, Jackie enters and she tells the kids that she got the job. And Tiffany, very excited, thinks that now they can upgrade to a bigger house again because he's not only just super like ungrateful, but very unaware of how much things cost. Just what's weird to me, too, is like, say she's 16, right? Track her at 16. I mean, aside from like eating dinner, what did you do as a 16 year old? Where did you hang out in your house for the most time? Like, it's classic teenage sitcom trope, too, to be like, you just hang out in your room. And I'm sure they've got a pretty big room in that house. And they're definitely not sharing one with her brother. Like, you're a 16 year old. You're just gonna be hiding in your room all day. Like, what does it matter how big the living room is for no reason? Yeah, but even then, it was a big living room. <laughs> and even then, yeah, it's a huge living room. I don't, I don't think she's 16. I think she's younger than that. From being she honest. looks a lot older. I'm sure she, the actress was a lot older when she plays the role, but just the way she talks and looks, I, I would have thought her to be a bit older. Jackie tells Tiffany, you know, I'm just an administrative assistant. That's just like a, it's like a fancy word for secretary. I could speak to that. It is very true. And um, that's when we get the line, oh my God, we're black, white trash. <laughs> I did want to touch on that because the whole administrative assistant which is actually just a secretary. It's like the same as office yeah, manager. You're not a steward as you're a flight attendant now. Is that really like, is that important to people? 
what? Like, is the connotation for like secretary and stewardess so bad that it needed to be changed? I think so. I think that it it broadens it. Peel back the curtain. That's my job title. It 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 encompass a secretary is does something more specialized. Like when you Low think jobs. like receptionist, it like uh no. Well, I mean, I'm sure they get blowjobs too, but I think that it's just more encompassing. I just feel like nowadays you'll never see a job listed as secretary. No, you'll only see it as like administrative. No, 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 no. The the connotation that you're looking for is executive assistant. That is what the equivalent of a secretary. But again, it goes to the same thing. It's the connotation of secretary is so bad now that we can't call anyone a secretary. But I don't think anyone ever looked down at the title. No, but it was a woman. But you see, the, the thing is, is that back in the day, it was a woman's job, quote unquote. Don't don't rake me over the coals here. But like like in our parents generation, my mother pretty much had two options. You went to business school, which was basically secretary school, or you went to do like nursing or teaching. Like you only had those kind of fields back in the day. But what if you go to teaching school to teach somebody how to be a secretary? You very well could. It's like a sneaky in its own tail there. I, I will say that when I, in my, this is slightly different, right? But I, I see a big pattern too as somebody who talks in my job i talk to people and i have to see their titles all the time and you know it's a big thing now where like the title means a lot more to people certain people than the salary and you'll see all sorts of things now that you didn't previously like you'll see the word director or uh, senior or like you know you see vice president all the time now where companies have like 50 different vice presidents oh my god and also if you look at these startup companies too it's like i'm the chief snack officer it's like oh yeah well go fuck yourself that's not a real title i hate you you get the kind bars shut up i want to be the the company i work for has so much vps director in charge of blah 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 there's so much oh my god everyone gets a big title but they get that title usually in lieu of a bigger salary. Give me the money. Call me whatever you want. Yeah. I will take no title and more money any day, but you know. I kind of want to be the director of snacking. What if you just do the thing like Pam in the office? What if you just make business cards and tell people that's your job and see if it sticks? I should just order that and be like senior director of snacking operation. You get to call like the Pringles company or something. I should. See, that's where I wouldn't have any issue if somebody was like chief snack officer or whatever. If it's like, oh, where do you work again? Be like, oh, I work at like Goldfish. Be like, that's fine. That's okay then. And I would, if I was the chief snack officer, I still wouldn't make gluten free. I'm going to drive <laughs> to your house and kick you right in the dick for saying that. Attaboy, God. So How bad. dare you? Why? You, friends of mine for my entire life. <laughs> Just don't want to see me happy. It's not fucking fair. I didn't say I wouldn't do it. Listen, listen, man, if I had any type of clout and could get gluten-free cheese that's made for you, trust me, I, I absolutely would. I appreciate that, Jay. You two are dickheads. I didn't do anything. You you <laughs> patted him on the back for not doing it. You're complicit. I gave him an attaboy. I was supporting my friend. I know we are severely off rails very early, but I got to ask this before we move forward. Joe, we've talked about this many times. You have a gluten sensitivity, so you don't eat gluten these days. Now, things like the gluten-free Oreos that came out recently. Yeah. Do they taste like regular Oreos? Exactly is it notably different? Exactly No, they the don't. Same? They taste like ass. No. And this is why, see, you, <laughs> this is where I'll say that I think I'm right and you're wrong. You want them to taste worse because you have no dog in this fight. But I can have my wife to actually do a comparison because she can have the real version of things and she doesn't lie to me like i got these crackers I'm like these are good they sort of taste like cheese crackers all that she's like no these aren't good the oreos these are good these taste like oreos i trust somebody who can have both to give an honest opinion on it i need you to test it i need you to sit on a toilet need to regulate oreo 
and then eat. The if I was going to do that, it would be cheese. It's not Oreos. And if I ever get a weekend okay. alone, it might happen. I don't know. It's been like 10 years. I just want to fucking cheese it. Joe, I hate to break it to you, but she's just trying to put you down softly to make you think that they're not that bad. She's eating them too, man. She doesn't have a bag. She doesn't pull a sleeve of the real ones for herself. You know what? At some point, I think we'll maybe maybe for our Instagram or something, we'll have to do some uh, side-by-side comparisons and we'll let everyone else know. It has nothing to do with TV, but fuck it. We talked about it on an episode. So, you know, maybe we'll throw some content up there. Now, these snacks are in commercials and commercials are on TV. There Correct. it is. Correct. That being said, if Cheez-Its wants to sponsor us, we will gladly take a Cheez-Its sponsorship. Not unless they make gluten-free ones, because I will tank that sponsorship right away out of rage. No, you will not. <laughs> will I don't, not don't you interfere with my Cheez-It money. Let's move forward. The realtor hands the keys over, and uh, also the lease, and she takes off. And the mom like asks the kids, like, hey, guys, what do you think? And Tiffany thinks she should go crawling back to her daddy. Tiffany kind of sucks. Yeah, Tiffany sucks. And this is super insensitive to her wife or her wife, uh, her mom, who just got cheated on and divorced, like, and clearly didn't make out with a ton of money out of it. Yeah, either. How did how did the mother with two kids get both kids they were together for 20 years? Yeah, she should be getting alimony, too. She should have got the house and the alimony and the and child support. She That's how she's able to afford that house. She's renting that house, which is super poor. It does. It's super poor compared to an idiot. I mean, this show is an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, in reality, though, that's a pretty nice house that the hus- that the ex-husband is probably paying through the roof because she's definitely getting something child support and probably alimony because she didn't work for years. Yes, but in in reality, she would have got his house. <laughs> Probably. I, I mean, yeah, most likely. Statistically, or like more likely in those cases, she'd have the kids in that home still. Yeah. And, and if that didn't happen, we wouldn't get this incredibly unlikely situation that we're presented with in this television show. It's like, how do we get LL into the mansion now? <laughs> so Jackie asks where the nanny is, and Austin tells her that her father died. As he goes again, he's died three times in the last three weeks. Do you think she's leveling with us? And the kid, uh, Austin, goes, I think not. But again, this is my next problem. They're supposedly poor, but they can afford a nanny. Well, it's like daycare stuff. It's like, you know, you're a parent. You know, a lot of people, it's a necessary evil. You have to make it work somehow. As tough as that can be. Greatest day of my life was when my son went to normal school. Yeah, it covers a lot of hours. I mean, they're paying $200 a week. Well, not yet. We'll, We'll get into that very later on in the episode i do have the numbers for that as well we'll get to it that's that's further down the line tiffany please um pleads again that you know this new place is too far from her boyfriend her mom says you know if it's meant to be love's gonna find a way tiffany tells us that love doesn't have a driver's license you think he's too young for a license or i think so because i was like you know she's so like nose up at everything the idea of like dating some kid who didn't have a, a license or a car just doesn't seem to fit her character so far i think it's because they're like she's probably like 14 right like probably like a freshman in high school so her boyfriend's probably in the same it's just like a non-driving situation yeah, but you'd think he'd have a chauffeur they're all like rich yeah that's a good question i mean i guess we never realized how rich she is or what her perception of how rich they were was because it didn't seem like they had a chauffeur either yeah i didn't take them as like butler territory that's why i feel like you need to be in butler territory to have a, a chauffeur I'd assume they have a, had a ton of money if they think this current house is poor. Just she does. Yeah, just she does. Nobody else is saying that. Yeah, that might be a like weird, twisted teenage perception of it. So the next scene, we have a shot of Jackie and Austin in Jackie's bed together, and they're asleep. And you can hear noises coming from downstairs. And Tiffany runs into the room to wake her mother up and warn her about what she's hearing. 
And you get a quick shot where you see like Austin with his headgear on, like, which was, I don't know, it was meant to get a big laugh. I don't know if it, it didn't really do much for me. They worked so hard to make this kid like a weak, like milk toast nerd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was their version of Urkel. Like. I was just going to say that. Do you think that this was UPN's response to Urkel? I mean, they mentioned Urkel by name in this episode. They so. do straight up mention Urkel at one point. I don't think they were trying to get him that far along. He reminded me more of like the son in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He's just like a little brainiac. This kind of reminded me too a little bit of a couple years later than this. Was it Smart Guy? Yeah. It was a few years later than that. A few years later, but like that's a show about like a meek kid, but he's like a genius. You know what I mean? Like it was sort of they took this idea and then like spun a show around him. He's a Maori, right? You said? Yeah. Yeah. The the younger brother. TJ Mallory, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. Jackie tells the kids, you know, every house comes with like its own set of noises and sounds. They just need to like get used to them and, you know, go back to bed. So she lays down and then the blender goes off. You can hear a blender from downstairs and like she rises out of bed like the Undertaker. She does do an Undertaker <laughs> rise, yeah. Guys, I'm stepping in for Nick here. Will you guys stop it with the wrestling references? When you, I want to put a side by side video. She she does it exactly like the Undertaker. No, I know. Me. And by the way, Undertaker is pop culture. All right, he's everywhere. It's not just right. Everyone knows the Undertaker. He does. He kind of exceeds. The Undertaker is also pulling a little bit from Michael Myers and uh, Jason Voorhees too. So it's. More of a horror movie in general setup, I think. I think it's just his now. I think he's he earned that. No, it's Dracula's. Also Dracula out of the coffin, yeah. From Dead and Loving It? It's his <laughs> That's the only Dracula movie we, we reference Dracula. on this show. <laughs> it is the best Dracula. That or Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. That's a great one. It's another good one. Fuck you, Bella Lugosi. Jackie's going to head downstairs and... She's like in a night robe and she has like a flashlight in hand. And then like midway down the steps, she like swaps out the flashlight for a baseball bat. And I couldn't help but think, whose bat is that? Why was there just a bat? Like, oh, it's moving day. Make sure to put the bat down. But whose bat is it? Austin doesn't play sports. Tiffany's like definitely not the type to play sports. The way I looked at this was the dad bought this for Austin because the dad is overbearing and doesn't want like wants his nerdy son to be like, are you really building this character up? Somebody has to. They don't build it up, right? I'm trying to do the work for them here. He's not on the show. No, my thought is it's a poor neighborhood and she bought that for protection. That house is not in a poor neighborhood, though. They keep saying it. Just Tiffany. Just Tiffany. Well, Tiffany has done the majority of the talking at this point, so I believe her. She heads into the kitchen, and that's when we see Marion and what looks like they're like red boxers with money signs on them and a blank tank top. Uh, blank. No, black tank top. And he's wearing a hat and he has headphones on. And work boots. Yes, and he has work boots. He's in his boxer shorts and work boots, as one does. My assumption at this point was that Marion was the ex-husband, because I had never seen this show. Oh, I, you know what? I could... Is that a better show? I, I could understand that. I figured he just walked in and made himself at home, like, hey, what's up? I, don't, I could do what I want, but... It's kind of a better show where he, yeah, he does something to the lease, where he's like, actually, I own this house, and you're renting it here, and I want to have breakfast with my kids every morning, so I'm going to show up. Makes more sense to me than a football star being like, I guess I'll fall backwards into being. Didn't a they nanny. just kind of do a show with um, Jenna Fisher where, like, it went a couple seasons where it was like her and her ex husband had to like coexist? The split? Was that what it was called? I think. I didn't see that. You guys know I don't watch TV, so I can't help you there. I never saw the show. I was just, I'm aware that the show exists. 
she sees him there and she like screams like heads up or I'll bash your brains in. Also, he's like really jamming out to some Rick James. He has Super Freak play and he doesn't hear her as you say it. So he just starts singing Super Freak as he's like kind of dancing a little bit. When he starts singing Super Freak, the audience goes fucking nuts. I mean, that is a great song. I don't know. Okay, that's a weird thing. Though. I mean, like, it's weird to pick a song that you want. Again, to put yourself out of context, right? So, like, that was a hit in, like, 1980. So, it's a hit song from 15 years ago. So, a hit song from 15 years ago now. I think it was just the absurdity of it, right? It had to be just that, like, right level of random. Yeah, it's like a random. It was a big song, but. All right, put it put it this way. At this point, it's an older song from, like, a generation before. It's, it's equivalent to, like, if you came in here and the same thing happened, but I was listening to a random 80s song, like. Uh, something from the 90s like my headphones popped off and NSYNC was playing that wouldn't be the equivalent at all it would be like you listening to like fallout boy something from the 2000s yeah it's gonna be like 15 years right i get what you're saying i, I think mean, you're right i mean like, i know yeah, what I you're saying it. but i just think it's the absurdity of super freak 2 is like what pops the crowd but super freak's a great song it's a great song but this is also this is also pre the sort of renaissance of rick james so like rick james was pretty down and out in 1995 yeah but cocaine's a hell of a drug and he probably needed the money I, yeah, I'm sure he was happy to get this check for sure. Also, the Rick James documentary is a good watch if anybody hasn't seen it. No, fuck your couch. All the uh, Dave Chappelle stuff did not happen yet. I think he had a little bit of resurgence. He had a much bigger one, yeah. I mean, he was touring and stuff again. There was still a few years removed from that, I believe, too. That's probably later 90s. This is is post-Eddie Murphy, right? This is what? This is post-Eddie Murphy, right? Uh, Party all the time. Party all the time? Oh, yeah, by like 10 years. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then after his couch was ruined, too. (laughs) This bums me out because this is like this dude's legacy. And those are all funny. And those Prince videos are funny. But now those two dudes who were brilliant musicians are dead. And all anybody wants to talk about for Prince and fucking especially poor prince that sexy little man one of the greatest guitar players of all time all anybody wants to say is like blouses when they talk about prince now and not the amazing stuff he did i'm sorry i i think it's pretty cool that he's a great basketball player yeah, me <laughs> i mean too. i'm very pro that he's good at basketball but can't we just talk about how he wrote the greatest soundtrack for movie of all time with batman 89 true true but also two people do give prince the accolades that he deserves it's more rick james that kind of gets thrown into the meme territory it's more rick james than prince yeah yeah he was born to be a meme look at him cool guy though in any event tiffany smacks the bat against the stove to get his attention and he goes if this is about your banana i was gonna replace it (laughs) and she's like a little nervous like are you a burglar he's like yeah i'm the banana bandit i'm gonna be featured in the next batman film Shut up and take my money. At this time, we didn't know that that was so close to accurate because we're like a year away or so. A couple of no, the shitty years Batman away. movies like Batman Return, Batman Forever had just come out. We were like, this is kind of goofy all of a sudden. But we had no idea that we were ready for the Ice Age and all that shit. Like the Banana Bandit would fit in as a character in that fucking dog shit Batman movie. Batman. I would love it. to see like an artist rendition of L. Cool J as the Banana Bandit. All right. Listener universe out there. Who's an artist? Let's see it. T-shirt idea? Yeah, mark that. Banana bandits? I feel like that's just going to be like a sexual thing. <laughs> People are going to be like, what is that? In my head, he just looks like Blank Man. Like he's got the pajamas on and the, the cloth mask. <laughs> but his head's a banana? <laughs> I'm a crime fighter. <laughs> Instead of a shark's fin, it's banana. My peel is like a shark skin. <laughs> skin fin. Yeah, I know. No. Uh, let's table that. And, uh, yeah, we'll have, we'll have to workshop that one. <laughs> Guys, I think we're doing a lot of good rewrites of history here tonight, and I'm very proud of us. So this is also when it's discovered that Marion is the landlord, and Jackie doesn't think that's accurate because she assumed Marion was a girl. And he's like, John Wayne's real name was Marion, which is true. Big Duke Wayne. She, she has the best response to it, though. 
Well, yeah, she's, well, she was like, at least he had the good sense not to use it. And assumes that uh, also had the good sense to wear pants. And, and he had like this line about like how his legs doesn't look as good as his, uh, which is pretty good. El Cool is very charismatic. So he's charismatic and he does like he carries a lot of these scenes. Also, that Marion line just reminded me of the King of the Hill episode where they're at the Boggle tournament and Hank has the thing that says Mrs. Peggy Hill on it. And a guy goes, don't be upset. Your name is Peggy. John Wayne's real name was Marion. And Hank Hill just goes, you take that back, which is so fucking funny. <laughs> It gets further explained that he owns the house, but due to cash flow problems, is renting the house out, and he moved into the guest room over the garage. The kitchen's going to be shared. And she's like, no, I didn't agree to that. And he's like, well, that's in the lease you signed. She's like, nobody reads the lease agreement. He's like, yeah, I was banking on that, which I really like the idea of throwing that in the contract, knowing that she's not going to read it. This is also a couple years removed from another famous 90s musician living in his uh, apartment above his garage. Only did not go so well for that guy. One year removed and very, very sad. Although I'm sure you'd have something negative to say about it. I fucking hate Nirvana. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sad the guy got murdered by Courtney Love, but I don't want to listen to that music ever. Yeah, it's a sad day when he blew his own face off. No, he absolutely was murdered. We do not have the time to talk about this because... No, he was murdered. It was either El Duce or Courtney Love or El Duce paid by Courtney Love. It's one of those scenarios. Who's El Duce? He was the singer of The Mentors. Oh. And why was? Why was? Oh, because then he ended up falling asleep on train tracks. Gordo, wait, you don't know The Mentors? No. They, you need to, after this episode, I wish we could just pause it and I could send you the song Golden Showers by The Mentors, which I think is going to be your new favorite song ever. I'm intrigued. Uh, there is a lyric where he says, on your face, I leave a shit tower. Gordo, I can't okay. believe you've never okay. heard this song. <laughs> okay. Banana Bandit. There goes the family content of In the House. I mean, we could always just rebrand this as Corey in the house, and then it's a Disney. Then it's even worse. Then bringing that up is even worse. Kurt in the house. It's just his ghost, and he's like, ooh. Oh, I'm overrated. <laughs> no, Joe, it would be like this. Ooh. <laughs> I am a fan of Nirvana, by the way. But, so am I. Uh, but let's, uh, yeah, let's keep moving right along. Also, uh, fans aren't gonna know what you just did. That's true. It's a lot of a lot of video cues. That's usually a Joe thing. Joe likes to go with the visual gags on an audio podcast. <laughs> this is when the kids run in. They want to see what's going on. Which, by the way, terrible idea because they thought there was a burglar with a weapon. It was a terrible idea for her to go down on the first. They should have all well, locked yes. themselves in upstairs and called 911. Or call 911 before you go down so that the cops show yeah. up. And then better introduction to his character when he explains who he is. Because then the cops show up and they're like, oh, it's Mary. And I saw you run to the goalpost. That's a better way to introduce him than the little kid saying it. I'm okay with her running down the stairs. That was fine. That's like a TV thing, running down with the bat. But the kids running down, like, come on. Kids, you were told to stay upstairs. Stay upstairs. Also, like, that little mousy kid's not going to do much if there's a murderer downstairs. You know what I mean? Like, what What's is he a murderer? <laughs> murderer. Murderer. He's going to murder her. What? <laughs> what? I have not heard that. It's a, it's a slang term. It's the hamburglar's recheck brother. That's what we say up here in Maine. Yeah, it's a Maine term. Oh, we got another murderer on the oh, loose. Don't get murdered <laughs> down there. You don't want to go down those stairs right there. Don't matter, Austin goes, wow, Marion Hill, what are you doing in our kitchen? And yeah, right off the bat, it gets kind of explained. I'm like, this kid does not know football players. He could be like the prophet in that show we covered, the league. Oh, the league. I'm sorry, it would make a lot more sense these days, but back then YouTube don't exist. So there's not viral videos. No, 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 no. 
He says football follies, and that's what makes sense because he doesn't like football, but he watched the video of people getting hit with footballs and it going. Bang. Those were like, yeah, those were like VHS tapes that used to come out. Yeah, like blue, like the, you the know, bloopers. sports blooper tapes and stuff. You watch those followed by like Dorf goes fishing, and it was a great couple hours of a Saturday afternoon. Because um, what yeah. is Tim Conway about two hundred pounds? Because Marion thought he just recognized him because he was on the Raiders, but he tells him no, it's the football follies. And Jackie says she doesn't think it's going to work, but, you know, Mary informs her, you know, I prefer to live in the house myself, but sometimes you don't always get what you want. Tiffany says that Austin is living proof of that. Austin snaps back with, did I mention I dropped your toothbrush in the toilet this morning? That whole interaction was just kind of like a lot of one lines that didn't kind of go together to me, but they no. just really wanted to get the toothbrush line in there somewhere. So they had a, they had a creed dialogue for him. The best part of this scene, and you spoke a little while ago about how El Cool just has like a good charisma. When Austin says that he won first prize in the football follies, he just looks at him and like points he his like finger nods. and like acknowledges it in yeah. like a good way. He's like, God damn right I did. And it's, he doesn't say anything though. And it's super funny and gets like an, act, an actual laugh out of me. Jay, as a big Raiders fan, were you excited that LL played for them? Um, I mean, I guess it just made sense because of, I assume the show was supposed to be LA. Yeah. And then Oakland and then LA and now where they're going. They're in Vegas now. Vegas now, yeah. Shows are so hit or miss of whether or not they use real teams. So I find that just intriguing on its own. Whether they say like, oh yeah, do you know me from the Raiders? Or it's like, oh, do you know me from like the Ice Dogs? You know? Also, LL Cool J being a rapper in the 80s and the early 90s, like that was like the team everybody repped in hip hop. Everybody yeah. had Raiders gear on. So it just kind of made sense for a rapper to be like into the Raiders. It would have been weird if he was like, Houston Oilers. Not as much him because he was an East Coast guy. He's a, he's a New York guy. Yeah. But I mean, I just being in, he lives in LA in that. It'd be weird if he was like, I was on the Giants because then it wouldn't make sense that he was out there trying to get his job. Jackie, again, is like, this isn't going to work. Maybe you should just like head out and buy a hot plate, you know, so you don't have to share the kitchen. Marin goes, look, I believe everything in the universe happens for a reason. I believe we must search beyond the obvious and tangible and seek the inner meaning. By doing so, we can affect our destiny. Apparently, something in my karma has drawn you to either enrich or possibly test my spiritual awareness. She goes, plus you need the money. And he goes, yeah. First of each month. And that's the end of the scene. I, I did like his, that little mini monologue that he had there. It was well delivered. Again, he's so charismatic. In in 95, he's he started dabbling in some movies already at that point, right? Yeah, I think. He's been, he hasn't acted a lot lately, but he was in a bunch of stuff. I mean, like in the 80s, he's in Crush Groove, right? And I was just talking to Ferg. I've just, I've been rewatching Oz. I forgot that he pops up in Oz and that's a couple of years after this. So he was always sort of around and doing stuff. He's got he's a good actor. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't done anything big lately. I mean, I guess pandemic kind of derailed a lot of projects. Gone too. NCIS. Well, one of them. That was the one NCIS. Yeah, he did now? have like a run of like a network show. I know he was hosting one of those music TV shows too. Like not like a music video show, but like he was hosting like a masked somebody. Was or... it the lip sync battle? Don't forget the lyrics. Is it? It was either Don't Forget the Lyrics or Lip Sync Battle, I think. Yeah. I thought he did Lip Sync Battle with um It's one of those type of shows though, but he hosted that for a couple of years, which that's gonna be a great paycheck because you really don't have to do anything. You just have to be like, and here's Greg singing fucking, you know, don't stop me now. And then you make a couple jokes. Like you probably bang out a month's worth of those in one day. Oh yeah. And Greg loves Don't Stop Me Now. Fucking Greg. The next scene, uh, Marion and the kids were in the kitchen the following morning, and Austin tells Marion that he rigged the garage door opener to work the toaster. And you get, like, the little toaster pop thing. Joe, you are a resident expert on garage doors, so. Yeah. As somebody who's worked on a million garage doors, uh, this is just a useless invention. And the only reason they do this is that so she, the mom can come back and make the joke later, but your toast only pops up when the toast is ready. 
So why would you want to pop the toast up before it was toasted? This is so fucking pointless. Our bread, warm bread. <laughs> just, I like my bread lukewarm. Yeah, it was, um, you're, they're trying to flex too that he's like smart and handy with gadgets and stuff, but the actual invention they went with was a little illogical. Marion then asked him like, if he's a genius, he's like, technically no, but compared to Tiffany, yes. And they have like a little back and forth and they're throwing digs at each other. Like she calls him the Keebler elf and he calls her hammer toes. Did I understand that correct? Yeah. So hammer toes is a thing. It's like a medical condition when your toes kind of bend inwards and outwards. So they're kind of like claws, but it's not the kind of thing that is either a talked about by children or B afflicts enough people that you're like, don't tell him about my hammer toes. <laughs> like that's, you never hear that. You guys used to make fun of me. And call your me hammer hammer toes? Toes. When did you ever have hammer toes? I didn't. You fucking imagine shit. No, no. Then when did we make fun of you for hammer toes? Joe and Nick used to call me hammer toes. What are you talking about? Where is this gag going? No, I remember this. I didn't make this up. I think you're making this up. I think you're making this up because I never called you hammer toes. I've called you a lot of things. Hammer toes isn't one of them. What's wrong with you? I think they called you that because you so eloquently perfected the art of the MC Hammer dance. That's true. So they thought, you know, you were like hammer on your toes. Hammer man. Ham, ham, hammer man. You should cover that. Oh, when we do cartoons, we have to do hammer man. And we have to do, uh, what was the one with, speaking of the Raiders, what was the one with Bo Jackson and all the athletes? It was like called like pro stars, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, that'd be a good one to do. That's one that I, that's another one I love with the intro too. When they do the, between the cartoon and the real footage. Anyways, Marion breaks them up and goes into a speech about how he can't be around this type of thing. Like he needs to be in a calm environment to get back on the field because the coach needs him 100% mind and body. I was like, that line's a little bit of a stretch, but whatever. Tiffany says that she's a dancer and understands and they can explain to Austin one day. And Marion's like, no, Austin's like a born athlete. You know, I can tell. And Austin looks up at him with like a milk mustache. He's like, you do? And that was, again, supposed to get like a big chocolate. I didn't think that was that funny. It's like a milk goatee too, which is kind of weird. But interesting about that is you could tell that the actor who plays Austin in that moment starts to kind of crack a little bit as the camera pans back. Oh, does he break? I didn't catch it. He does. He starts to break and the camera immediately cuts. If you want to go back to the to the tape. Yeah, I'll look back at that. I love the idea that they were moving so quick on this pilot. They were like, should we do a second take for? No, no, no. no. Just use. We'll cut the camera quick. Let, let the kid laugh. Jackie then runs in and says, you know, it's like 725 and she's running late, but she can't get the garage door open. Marion's response was asking if she wants some toast. She's like, I don't have time for toast. And I really liked how that line was delivered because he did it very subtle. The toast line is good. So it was like a good callback to the whole toaster thing, but you had to be paying attention to get the joke because it wasn't, he didn't be like, how about some toast? So like, you know, to really drive it in, it was a, a very like calm, like s small setup. And I, I just thought that worked so much better. He's the only thing that's good in this show. El Cool J is very good in this, and he is just drowning in Agreed. a bad sitcom. What they should have done is had the little kid walk over to the toaster, push the thing down, and then have the garage door sound open in the background. They could have did something like that. Yeah, if they're going to make the point of him doing it, at least use it, because it's such a stupid invention that makes no sense. At least make the joke, like, at least hammer toe the joke in a little more. I just <laughs> like that there was a little bit of a follow through, like, why would he do that? And there was some sort of a repercussion to him doing it. So, I mean, it, it works there. And, like, during that whole panic, she uh, she's also informed that the new nanny isn't coming. I, I can only assume that the new nanny must have taken a job at the Sheffield residence instead. 
Hello, Cool J, you're going to be out on your fanny. <laughs> Which means something else in England. <laughs> so we so we hear. You're welcome. Marion tells her that uh, she's going through a lot of mood swing, and you need to cut down on your sugar. <laughs> she's like, keep your nose out of my sugar. Which in England means something else. Yeah, which in England can mean something else. <laughs> Book of sugar. The kids suggest that Marion Marion takes them to school, and he doesn't want to do this at all. And he kind of like has like excuses at first, and he was like, "Oh, not that I don't think you guys are cool." And they're staring at him, and he's like, "I got some stuff I got to do." They're still staring. He's like, "Okay, how far is the school?" And he says, "Um, he'll drop them off on the way to aromatherapy." I mean, he's also known these kids for a total of 12 hours. Like seven of those would have been sleeping. Like it's not his obligation as their landlord to drive two kids to school. Like that's a big ask. Also, the mother, that, that trust came way too quick. Right. She doesn't, she doesn't know he this know guy. This guy, he could be a pedo. He makes like 2 a.m. underwear smoothies in your kitchen. Like, oh, driving to school. Mm, maybe not. So I get a lot of sitcoms have unlikely scenarios that put us in the situations we're in, right? That's kind of how you make most of these shows work. But this show is a very, very unlikely scenario. It's just the whole, I'm renting you the house, but we have to share the kitchen. And then it was weird because now they have to pivot and make most of the scenes be in the kitchen. So they're always in like a, a shared common space or like when they're outside. But then also one thing that flagged me was like the dynamic between characters at this stage of knowing each other, which... um. Yeah, as you guys mentioned here, but you see it throughout the episode, just like the way she talks to him, the way his comfortability with the kids, it was all, it didn't make sense for not knowing each other up until moments before. It just, it was too much too soon. Which is also, again, our point where like, this would make way more sense if the dad, the joke was that the dad owned the house. She didn't know because she didn't read the lease. And that's why he's there in the mornings to get breakfast. Then you're like, oh, well, then you drive him to school. You're here. It makes sense because she'd obviously trust him to do it. Not some weird guy she met last night. Right. Or not even last night. That morning. I mean, I, we can make the assumption that it was past midnight when she met him. Also, she's like not really wrong with her anger towards him a lot of the times. But because of the, the delivery and how like nice he is, I'm like this bitch. Like, <laughs> you're yeah. like he's so nice that you take his side immediately. But, no, but when you like take yourself out of it, and you look at her as a parent. It makes a lot of sense. But yeah, it's just. It's a weird setup because, again, I think you're she's like really the main character, but she's not presented as she's not like LL Cool J is just a side character, but it's not really that way. He's really the star of the show, but they put him like in the wrong perspective. Yeah. LL Cool J should have been the parent and she should have been the X-Raider football player or an X-Raider <laughs> cheerleader or something. I was going to say, I don't know if she's going to, I don't know if it's going to work if he goes, well, I used to play for the Raiders. It's like, don't you remember that when I was the first ever, you don't know me? The first female Raiders running back. I will say the part of the issue here too, though, was that LL Cool J spent all this money buying people Lexuses and bought a humongous house with a quote unquote apartment above the garage. But I wouldn't say you could legally consider something an apartment without some sort of kitchen. Like, is there a bathroom? Is it just like a big bedroom up there? Yeah, there's a lot of question marks. He's like the Mike Seaver of this show. I mean, I guess it's better than living in the driveway in a van. I do like that the show buttons with after he agrees to take the kids. She's like, oh, thank you so much. And then she reminds Austin before she leaves to uh, make sure he brings his car sick bag. And Mary just chases her out of like the, the kitchen like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Because he was unaware that this kid's probably going to throw up in the car. Yeah, again, it just gives you even just two seconds of charismatic illegal cool J, which is what works in this. So now the next scene, we see Jackie at her new job, and she's walking in. You can kind of tell she's running late because she's a little disheveled and um, kind of rushing her way in. But she heads over to her boss's office, which is like right behind where she's set up, and introduces herself, and then immediately gets 
the reply from her boss and goes, Heather Comstock, you're late. Jackie apologizes saying, I was stuck with the kids and then I couldn't find a parking spot. And she asks her boss if she has any kids. And she just replies with, with this body? I don't think so. And I'm like, wow, okay, I hate this girl already. She's a bit much. She's written so, like, as such a stereotypical character, too. Like, and they even the big joke that they give her in this scene is so obvious. Like, you see it coming from a mile away that you're like, of course, they're going to go with this low hanging fruit. Yeah, just I felt like every line she was too mean. Like, you could be the mean boss, but it was too mean. She was very over. You're supposed to hate her, but it was over the top where, like, it's unnecessary and, like, almost borderline, like, poorly written. To be fair, though, you do hate her. Well, yeah. I mean, they do a good job of making her a heel for sure, because you just immediately are like, but this is a this is go away heat. This is not like a step away from being like, no, I had children, but I ate them. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Jackie asks her if she has a car, which I thought was a weird question. But she's like, I have a Porsche and a parking space. And she goes, oh, well, then we have something in common. I have Porsche sunglasses. And Jackie thought she was hilarious when she said that because she was like really laughing to herself after talking about her sunglasses. And Heather then goes over a long list of everything she needs Jackie to do today, along with like a list of personal errands that she wants her to run on her lunch break. And the whole while, Jackie's like trying to like keep up and she's struggling to write it all down. When Heather asks her if she has any questions, Jackie's like, uh, yeah, do you have a pen that works? You see her struggling with the pen. I was really hoping they would do the Ernest goes to jail thing where she chews on the pen and explodes and just cuts back <laughs> and she's got ink all over her face because that would have been amazing. Uh, I will also say, too, one of the things where she's, like, listing off the errands, she's like, and this post office, it's open 24 hours a day, so there should be no issues. I was, like, blown away. I was like, oh, my God, a 24-hour post That'd office? That'd be great. be amazing. I looked it up. The last 24-hour post office in the entire United States was in Chicago, and it stopped being 24 hours in 2009. Well, yeah, they, sh- they should all be 24 hours. There should be, like, one at least in every big city, right? Or at least be open so, like, people who work, and not that I have common hours, I get out early enough that I can still get there, but your average 9 to 5 person literally has no time to drop off their mail. And when I worked downtown in the financial district for a while, like, if you had to go to the post office and you only could go when, like, everybody's lunch break was sometimes, especially around, like, the holidays, the line would be out the door in the post office and you just couldn't do it, like... Also, just like that idea of, and here's a bunch of things like I need you to do for me, like personally, but do these on your lunch break. Like fucking hell, I will. Kind of a rough first day. I would tell her to suck my balls. Yeah, well, you don't need this job to support your children in their poor, poor house right now. She does, so she can't say that. And apparently she can't get fired because she does talk shit about her and gets caught. We'll get into that later, but that's the joke that bothers me so much because it's so telegraphed. But obviously you'd be like, oh, first day and you just did that. Guess what? Your last day too. See you later. I was expecting that to be in the scene, but we'll get to that. I also feel like they really want to make it known that Jackie's a little overhead with this job because it's just so much stuff. It's like, it's going to be tearing her in too many different directions. I feel like this is one of those things where like, it probably was like, she would have been good at this job when she was in the workforce, but things like this change so quickly. Like think of even like computer programs, right? Like if you don't use something current now, or you haven't in like five or six years, you probably get super lost if you had to all of a sudden open up a lot of these programs that these companies use, right? Like you, time passes you by so quickly. Like she's totally over her head and anybody would be in that situation. Yeah. It's like when Aunt Viv went back to trying to be a dancer, but dance had changed so much. She couldn't keep up. (laughs) and she was older exactly like let's just hope that it was because dancing changed (laughs) (laughs) so you can't cut anymore but like i could have in the 70s the dancing changed i didn't change the dancing changed can we write that movie yes sure 
It cuts to later in the night now. We see Jackie at her desk with like a stack of papers everywhere and she's trying to get some stuff done. And she gives Heather a call asking if it's okay as she finishes her work at home because like she has nobody watch the kids and she has to get them dinner. And Heather's like, no, you cannot. And then Jackie's like, may I ask why not? Heather goes, no, you may not. And I thought that was all a little too much. As mean as she was, that all was like, that's too much. I don't think many people would be like, hey, my kids are alone. I have no way to feed them. And like, they really should have a sitter. I need to go home. I just finished my work at home because I'm already after hours. You don't have like the right to tell someone, no, you must stay there. Yeah, but you could have at least given a line like she instead of like, no, you may not twice. You're like, no, you may not the first time and second time be like, because I have a list of applicants who will work. I was going to say I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, it's also the first day, too. So you would want to be overly eager. Yeah, but like, I mean, there's also real life stuff that happens. It don't matter on your first day of work, man. No, no. You got to make the best impression that you can. She already came in late, made a bad first impression. Oh, no, I get that. But when your kids are like without child care the daughter's like 14 she can cook that also doesn't that doesn't matter to her if you remember the very first scene when you see the kids they're in this house alone with with a realtor like she's very cool with leaving her her kids with random people that's true but also for Gordo, to your point like she's 14 she can cook all of us at 14 could have fended for ourselves and made some food but it seems like they're in such a weird bubble that they probably don't even know how to make bagel bites you know what i mean like she's spoiled tiffany's spoiled they're in a brand new neighborhood too so they don't know where they are their surroundings there's a lot there and she could have like ordered food though like i got pizzas but like how did you afford pizza like i put it on your credit card you have like another beat to do right like as we always do we rewrite these shows i'll use my credit card you got it that's before you could do that i'm sure if you there had to be restaurants that serve pizza and took credit cards over the phone though i mean you could call like a fancy pizza place because that's probably what they're accustomed to. I don't see them eating Domino's. No, because those are the times we had to with the carbon paper and shit. The shotgun? No, no. Remember the <laughs> You thing, will pay. The thing that you would put the credit card. I remember, card down yeah. In. I remember having to use those at jobs when we were in high school. On. Yeah, exactly. So that's in the nineties. It's not this like fancy Grubhub and PayPal's and NFCs and NFTs and stuff. I like the what's what's an NFC? Near field communication. Okay, what is that? I'm asking though. Oh, that's like when you like bang your phones together and like you can pay people and stuff. Oh, the chips. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like you like Apple. Apple. Like pay? Apple Pay. Google. Oh, pay. okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's done through near field communication. Okay, yeah, I've God, heard the term. Can I, I just, can I just it was. say how much I love Apple Pay? I use it for everything on my phone. I do like the tapping though. I use it like the grocery store all the time, and you just get out of there so quick. My vending machines at work do that, and that became a very big problem. Dangerous. That's not good for a vending machine. Although that's way better though. Before the chip cards, vending machines. If you didn't remember to hit end, like because they had those first generation ones that like you put oh, a credit yeah. card in, you'd be like at the I'd be like at the practice space or something, and I'd be like, I'm going to get Doritos and a Coke or whatever. And two hours later, be like, did I hit end? You'd be like, you could have like a forty dollar bill because people just came by and were like, well, free snacks today. The machine's empty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somehow my wallet's in there though so uh anyways jackie calls the house to tell the kids that she's running late after talking to her boss and marion answers while hanging upside down in the doorway another batman reference and she asks why he's answering her phone and he's like well i was in the kitchen 
he says, you sound stressed out. Are you eating sugar again? And then, like, there's, like, the shot of her eating, like, cookies or something. And she, like, gets nervous and, like, puts it down and hides the bag, like, even though, obviously, he can't see her. They show the bag, but I couldn't tell what kind of a bag it was. At first, I thought she had, like, a burger or something. I thought it was Burger King because it looked like a Burger King bag. I mean, I guess there's sugar in Burger King. She replies to him, like, you're the one who sounds stressed. What are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm just hanging. It was so, it was so dumb, but I liked it. So now Jackie's saying, hey, can you do me a huge favor? Could you just watch my kids for an hour and, you know, I'll buy dinner and says, you know, is Chinese okay? And he says like, yeah, that's fine. But no meat, no MSG, no salt, no animal fat and uh, steam not fried. It's the 90s. There is no Chinese food place in the 90s without MSG. But that was such a big joke then, though. Like, I remember the Chinese food place that we used to love going to literally had a sticker in the window that was like the no ghosts thing, but had like no MSG. Like, that was such a big cultural thing. It was like, we don't want MSG. Monosodium glutamate. Which I'll always remember that because there is a song about getting Chinese food and falling in love with the girl at the counter where he actually uses and rhymes monosodium glutamate, which I think is just a very good achievement in songwriting. What do you rhyme it with? Uh, what is it? I think it, I think it's with weight. Yeah. Oh. It's like with your love, I cannot wait like monosodium glutamate. It's a Paul Shuttleworth song. Now Heather calls through and she tells Jackie that, you know, I've been watching the phone and it says you've been on the on a personal call for over two minutes. And again, she's just way too much. Like that's just like too much. Like she hung up with her and she's just monitoring the phone. Isn't she already past her work hours? You're worried that she's on the phone? Yeah, to be fair, if you're at work at like 8 p.m. and they're like, are you making a personal call? Be like, yeah, it's my fucking personal time. It's way past what I'm supposed to be working. What bothered me too is like, obviously you're in a situation and it's a sitcom, I get it. But you can be like, yeah, I just hung up with you and you said I couldn't go home when I'm supposed to. You're like, I had to call my kids. I explained that I have kids who need to be watched and fed. So obviously I called my house, like, what the fuck do you think I was going to do after I hung up with you? Now she's clicking back and forth because she's talking to Marion. He's like, oh, that was my boss. Hopefully she's only visiting Earth for a short time. And then you get the boss who's talking through the speakerphone going, no, you're supposed to hit like this button if you want to get off speaker. And you get like that, ooh, from the crowd. But also this isn't that bad of an insult. No, but you're openly insulting your boss day one on the job. Sure, but she's calling her an alien. She's not like, my bitch boss it won't let me leave. It's what most people would say. Not like a weird, jokey comment about her being an alien, I guess? No, but day one, you probably have a pretty tight leash, and we've already established that she's just an awful human. So probably not a good way to, to let things go on the first day. I feel like you could have put in a funnier insult. Yeah, I just think the insult doesn't work. No, it works. The only way to go with that is alien or robot. I feel like she'd go meaner or period. Yeah. And this is 1995. She could be like, I know what time of the month it is for her. And that would have been like a very 1995 joke that would have made the girl mad too. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Alien just doesn't work for me. So Jackie heads back home and she's like shouting to announce herself to the kids that she got Chinese food. And as she's looking around for them, she hits the answering machine. And then you get a message from Marion that starts to play informing her that Austin had an accident and that they're in the emergency room. And before he can explain to her what the doctor had said, he's like, oh, hold on. They need me. And he just hangs up. So now we, you know, we cut over to now Jackie at the hospital with everybody. She's asking what happened. And Austin says, oh, Marion showed me how to do a one-handed backflip. What does that mean? I think I've seen people do it before. Yeah, you just put one hand up and then you pivot back off instead of both. She looks over at Marion. She's like, what? He gets nauseous watching clothes go around in the dryer. He can't do a backflip. And Marion's like, well, the flipping part he got is just the landing. So Jackie's very notably angry by all this. And Tiffany now takes Austin out of the room. And says, oh, that she has dad's working late again look on her face. 
Which we're to assume means she knows that's not working late. That's dad cheating. Yes. Yeah. So kind of a weird thing to bring up, but especially when she's already pissed. Now we get the two of them alone. Jackie starts to scold Marion and says, I trusted you with my kids and you blew it. And he apologized and says, you know, but you need to stop treating Austin like he's a piece of glass. And he's like, that's what boys do. They fall down. They skin their knee. And then she goes, they run in a goalpost. And he goes, we won that game. Again, his buttons are always very funny. By the way, this would have been more effective if they showed her babying him more throughout the episode, but they don't, I didn't really get that from what we've seen so far. That's true. They don't touch on it too much. You just get the vibe that he's not an athletic being, you know, that he's, yeah, he's just like a, a nerdy, like small kid. But I, ne- I never, I never got like, it's because she's overprotective and babying him. That's just, that's he's true. the sitcom nerd. <laughs> There's also a scene coming up a little later on, too, where, like, they just, it's, like, very unlike what you expect his character to be, which is just, like, I don't quite understand where they pivoted there, but I will say when they keep bringing it up, I kind of love that as you go through this, you realize that LL Cool J is kind of proud of that game, even with the goalpost thing. Like, it doesn't bother him. Like, whenever it comes up, he's like, we won that game, or, like, I did get best in the follies. Like, I love that it's, like, a point of pride and not a point of, like, uh... He's not like drowning his be- in his beer on it, you know? It keeps you relevant, right? The people are going to keep talking about you, so yeah. that's a good thing. This makes me think of Forrest Gump, though. Yeah, when he runs through the marching too, band. Yeah. Stop, Forrest. <laughs> Marion says that Austin's a great kid. He just doesn't want to see him sitting on the bench his whole life. And Jackie says, well, he's not your kid. He's mine. And if you know what's good for you, you'll stay out of my way. This bitch. And then she leaves, yeah. And it was like, well, if I knew what was good for me, I, bought, I wouldn't have bought everyone in my family a Lexus. Again, and we've talked about it before, it's just that I get why she's mad. She's justifiable in being mad. It's just the comfortability they all have with one another in general. They just make her They make her so unlikable that at the end when she tries to not be unlikable, it's too late. Like she, It's it's hard to pull back from how deep she's diving where you're just like, I don't, I don't like this woman. It's just the audacity. Like, I know you're upset your kid got hurt, but you asked the stranger to watch your kids. He went out of his way and he's doing you a pretty big favor. You're going to treat him like that. He even did the right thing. Accidents happen when someone's watching your kid. Kids get hurt. And he even took the kid to the hospital and, you know, got him treated. He did everything right. Can you imagine an alternate episode or alternate writing of this episode where the kid's just sitting there with a broken arm and she's like, why didn't you take him to the hospital? And he's like, I'm not your nanny. Like, how insane that would be. This is just too fucking much. Like, what the hell did you expect from a guy that's just watching your kid? Like, that should kind of be, like, par for the course. Like, well, to a degree. But you didn't fucking know who this guy is. You didn't know, like, if he was going to roughhouse him or what, whatever. Like, yeah, you, you made him take your kids to school. Then you made him babysit them later in the day and all this yeah. other stuff. You've only treated him like shit since you met him. Also, the assumption, even on the driving, you don't know if this dude's got like 10 DUIs. You don't know if he just drank a bottle of Robitussin that morning. You're like, drive my children to school. Like, it's it's just, I understand that she's in a tough bind, but I feel like they just write her character to like be so unlikable and I just don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, she's just really like, because even the next scene like starts off when they're in the kitchen and Jackie's like walking in and asking Tiffany, hey, what did I say? And Tiffany's just like, oh, not to eat any of Marion's curse word food. She's like, yeah, that drink looks like snot. It's like, why are you so angry you know what i mean like just telling your daughter like you are not to eat any of his food which is like a weird thing to bring up i guess in general but you were there a day how do you know what the fuck he's eating yeah it's all very quick also like i'm not really into the health food stuff like shakes and supplement type stuff like that but like your 16 year old or 14 year old or whatever she is is like eating health food i feel like as a parent you'd be like 
no, that's okay. It's way better than you drinking a Pepsi. Eat this MSG. Yeah, how about some MSG and some Pepsi? Which is what we grew up on. You know what I mean? It's probably terrible. And look at me now. We're all doing fucking great now. <laughs> From there, Marion walks up and he's like, he walks up to Jackie and he's having a conversation with himself where he's playing both the roles of himself and Jackie, where he's using that as an outlet for Jackie to apologize to him. I think this was his best part. This was this was good. He did a good job there. During that, Austin then walks in calling for his mom and, you know, you get the sling on one arm and then that's when we see like his shorts that are, or his pants that are way too short. Yeah, this gave him a stereotypical kind of nerd look. The Pinocchio, what do they call him? Michael Jackson, Pinocchio, Urkel. And Urkel, yes. yeah. Urkel, Michael Jackson, and Pinocchio, which is a weird line. But nailed it. <laughs> I was wondering where the Pinocchio part came from. Because of the... Strap. Yeah, because of the arm. Oh, okay. So he was stuck like this, like a puppet. Got it. Got it. That makes sense now. And back when you can make Michael Jackson references and it wasn't like, ooh. No, it was like that then. We too. were getting there. We were getting there in 94. Yeah, we're like, I mean, like people knew, unfortunately. People just were. We were already at the, I love you, Macaulay. Like, like, like. <laughs> yeah, we were uh, Bubbles the Monkey. Uh, this dude's definitely insane. I mean, we're only probably about a year or two away from Adam's Family Values where, like, they make the joke about the torture room where you have to listen to Michael Jackson. So I think, yeah, it's starting to get there. <laughs> I die. I was waiting for it. I like. Uh, I also liked when the mom was looking at his pants. He was just really excited that the stain came out. She was apologetic, but she was so excited by the stain coming out that it didn't even matter if you were. There was no reference to his pants being dirty. Well, I mean, I'll give. I'll forgive them on that because that. She took them out of the wash and they were obviously shrunk. And she was like, oh, but the stain came out. Like you just like you, I feel like you can get away with that one joke. Those should have been the backflip pants that he ruined doing the backflip and getting hurt. They're covered in blood. So then this stranger who's watching your children gets his pants all dirty. Well, he didn't reference Michael Jackson. <laughs> we don't know if it's the pair of pants he wore earlier that day. She just did laundry. Could have been for a couple days at that point. Jackie grabs the kids and then they all head out. She's going to take them over to school. And then we just kind of flash forward to later in the day and it cuts to the three of them, the family in the living room together going over nanny resume. And Austin says, hey, this one has a picture. Wow, can we hire her? And his mom grabs the resume and is like, no, we cannot. And those are not real. He goes, I'm eight. I don't need to know that. And I thought that was a weird interaction. That's the joke that I was saying earlier, too. We're like, this doesn't make sense to his character at all. All, all of a sudden, he's an eight-year-old horn dog. Like, wait, no, nothing has indicated this at all. He's like a meek, nerdy kid. And I'm not saying you can't be both. I'm saying it seems like a weird difference in the way this is written. Nobody's hornier than an 80s slash 90s nerd. That's true. But an eight-year-old? I mean, I guess that's that fake, that fake horny where you're like, oh, she's a babe or whatever. Like, you don't really know because you're fucking eight. I just thought it was weird. Just the idea of, like, the mom mentioning that girl in the picture's boobs to her son. Like, he didn't ask if they were real or not, you know? Also, why did she send a picture in the first place? I mean, maybe she was hoping it was. Oh, was she hoping it was Mr. Sheffield? <laughs> well, Revenge of the Nerds, right? Where they send a picture out to every fraternity they applied to. And the only one they didn't send a picture to, they got hired. You know, it's kind of like maybe if you send it to enough people, one person will like the picture. Maybe they're hoping that they'll get hired for other reasons. I mean, you just got to find the. I mean, I imagine her husband was, was if he was looking for a nanny, that would have worked for him. You know what I thought, too, by the way, the the resume that had the picture, I thought was I thought the payoff later was going to be that that was a picture that someone sent Marion as like fan mail. And it's just like that piece of mail got mixed in with the rest of their shit. But they didn't play it out that way. Yeah, you could have walked in. Oh, that one's mine again. Good. That's good writing. Yeah, guys, I really feel like we need to go through this episode 
later on after it's done, pull out all our edits, download a copy of the script, rewrite the whole thing, recast it, and then do it as a community theater play. <laughs> like, this is our interpretation of how in the house should have been. Yeah, people would lo- love that. Can I be the day man? For the few people that even know what in the house is and remember it, to then get them to go to the adaptation of it. Or, I guess in our case, listen to a podcast about it. Like, why am I going to listen to a podcast about in the house? But that's what we do here. And we hope you're listening and we thank you. Yes, of course. Love us, LL. Yeah, luckily, we, I mean, we have all expressed our love for LL on this episode. LL loves cool S1E1. That's, I don't think that hashtag's going to start trending anytime soon. Not with that attitude. But I say that can be our next bumper sticker. Tiffany recommends that they help pick one because the nanny's essentially going to be with them most of the time and work with them directly. And I was like, I thought that's what you're doing. Isn't that why you guys are with your mom going through these resumes together? Yeah. Yeah, that's why you're a part of the process. Now, this would have been a perfect, and this is right around the same time, too, if they were like, well, we have to interview one more nanny. Door opens. Hello! <laughs> Robin Williams pops in. We get a Mrs. Doubtfire cameo. Dad is Robin Williams. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded, uh, like, brand dresser popping into like something like that this can be like that scene in casper where all like father guido sarducci and dead Acker and everybody run out of the house they could just start doing famous nanny jokes what about hulk hogan yeah hulk hogan yep. uh, has to be there too yeah in the tutu from uh, mr nanny so the kids tell jackie that they want marion as their nanny and she says that's a bad idea and doesn't think he'd be interested anyways and then he steps in from like the kitchen area and says interested in what austin's like mom ask him it's like ask me what and her response was just, what are you doing in the living room? Which, you know what? Fair question. Fair, nope, fair question. She's got a lease. That's fair. They're talking about him. He heard his name and came in. I mean, I get it. Landlords should have to give you notice before they enter into the part of the house. But we cut to later, and now Austin is working on something outside. And that's when Marion walks up to him, and he's like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, my God. This part, though. I actually like this. He's like, oh, I'm taking apart Tiffany's hairdryer. And Marion's like, oh, is it broken? He's like, nope, I just hate her. I mean, that's like, at least that makes more sense to me than a fucking toaster oven garage door. I like that line. I like, no, I I didn't mind this part. It was the payoff at the end. The goofy face she makes in the window killed me. Yeah, me too. Take laughter. This backyard too looked very much like the backyard home improvement. You know what the thing is too with these, with the backyard is because of the premise of the show, they need places they can interact. So now instead of using the living room, it has to be the kitchen and now the yard because he can't really, he did in the scene before, but he can't really cross into the living room and stuff or be up in their rooms. The only way to make this work, I guess once he becomes the nanny, he can. Yeah, then he has access. And I don't remember from watching it back then if they end up going into his apartment at all. The twist should have been he was dead the whole time. When he ran into that goalpost, he died. (laughs) (laughs) He's just haunting the, the house. We also find out that Austin may be doing this because recently at school, Tiffany told everyone that he's Gary Coleman's love child. That got me. I giggled. That was like, funny, right? yeah. yeah. I laughed at this too, but again, this is also one of those weird references where I'm like, this is like Rick James or whatever, where you're like, this is so far removed from his like initial prominence and then a little far removed from his sort of comeback prominence. No, Gary Coleman is timeless. Is Gary Coleman timeless? No, Gary Coleman was always a low-hanging fruit i feel like that sounds like you're insulting him in a really weird way you can't just call him a low-hanging fruit sorry a punching bag sorry Thank i you. couldn't think of the i couldn't think of the word my apologies but this this part was the only time i kind of questioned their age difference because they're in this same school and she would have been making fun of his height his height won't be an issue if it's the right height for that age 
So if they're close in age and he's just that small. Yeah, you have up to a four-year gap you can play with. And I guess at that age frame, like. She could be 12. She's not 12. Well, nowadays, too, though, there are schools that are middle school combos to high schools, which means you're in fifth grade to 12th grade, which I think is a terrible idea. But it's a thing that happens. Also, real quick, I just wanted to say, too, they're making fun of his height and everything in this. I looked up today how how tall this actor actually is who plays Austin. It worked out just fine for him. He's taller than any of us, so he's 5'11". I'm 5'11". Are you 5'11"? Yeah. He was probably taller than me on the show. I don't think so, Gordo. He was like three and a half feet tall in this episode. But he does ask him, like, do you think I'm short? Marion's like, you're a little kid. You're supposed to be short. Otherwise, people are going to mistake you for an adult and make you pay taxes. And you better do that, too. Trust me on that one. I do like to keep bringing up the taxes thing. This is also a really good way to like put that kid at ease. It sucks being a short kid. You're a kid. Like you're, you know, that's a good way to make it like an easy way to talk to him about it. And he says, I'm never going to grow up. And that's when uh, Marion's like, oh, well, how about this? And he picks him up and he throws him on his shoulders. So now he's like, you know, sitting on top of his shoulders and Marion's jumping up and down. And he's just like pogoing. Yeah. So it's running around with him on his shoulders and. Austin's laughing quite a bit. It comes to Jackie, who's watching from inside the house. <laughs> Creepy in the window. I'll say this. The first time I, I watched it twice. The first time I watched it, I thought a reaction was way too much. But then when I like rewatched it with a more careful eye because I wanted to comment on it, it wasn't as extreme as I remembered. A question for you, since you watched it twice. I only watched it once. Was she in the window the entire time? I didn't look back for that. It was like, because no. the way the shot was set up, it was very in the distance. So I think... I'd have to look back. I think the way it was blocked, they would have been in front of her anyways oh, until yeah. they moved away. But I'm not 100% sure. Did anybody else foresee, like, I thought this is where it was going, was when LL Cool J had Austin on his shoulder. Breaks his other arm. <laughs> He's going to try to do a one-handed backflip. No, but if you saw, he was gripping the hand that was in the cast and in the sling really, really tight around the wrist. I thought he was going to re-break it, jumping up and down. I'm going to give him the old Jack Torrance, pick him up by his arm and break it again. Yeah. It's just the kind of thing you do 100 times to a kid. <laughs> Joe got it. Yeah. <laughs> that really funny joke about child abuse and the shining that they just toss in there. <laughs> So now in the last scene, it's um it's nighttime, and we see Jackie in her pajamas and, like, robe, and she walks over, over to um, Marion's door, which right off the bat, I'm like, I thought he lived in an apartment over the garage. So what is the door that's attached to the kitchen? I had the same thing, and I think it's that there's a stairway behind that door that leads up to it. So the garage is attached over, and the stairway goes up to the apartment because the apartment's above the garage. Could it be like an in-law apartment? Yeah, but there would have to be a stairway up if it's above. So, But the way he like he specifically mentioned that it was in a, you know, he has an apartment over the garage. So I'm like, oh, even if, so even if he's on the second floor, but yeah, whatever. So she, she's knocking on his door. He finally answers and he's got like this big white robe on himself and um, a hat on as always. Yeah, he's wearing a hat. And she asks what he's doing. He's like, oh, you know, I was just laying down for about eight hours, which I thought was a good line. Yeah, that was a good line. Again, LL Cool J with the good lines. Oh, he didn't write them. He didn't write them, but he he has a good delivery. Yeah, I think it's more of his delivery. Like some of the lines aren't that good, but he's good at delivering them. And some of them are good lines too, though. And Jackie's saying, you know, I'm sorry that I overreacted at the hospital and I wanted to apologize. She didn't actually say it that way because she couldn't get any nice words out of her mouth. But that was kind of a weird... I get that she doesn't like him that much or she's indifferent. She's kind of figuring him out. But this scene here where she kept struggling to say nice things, like if she had to and she had a word around things, couldn't apologize. 
I thought that wasn't her character the whole episode, so it was really weird that in the last scene you're changing who she is a little bit. I think that's why it, that's what I was saying earlier. Like it doesn't work because you dislike her so much that they don't you don't have any goodwill to then join her side at the end when she changes her character to be nice. And maybe she is a different character in episode two. Yeah. But you just you end up being like, oh my God, stop. And then when it's like, oh wait, now she's a real person, you're like, it's kind of too late. I don't think she ever changes her character to be nice. I don't think she's nice now. She's asking him for another favor, and she's still rude. Yeah, she's struggling to apologize. She's, as we see now, like uh, in a minute, she's like being forced to say nice things. But she's, um, in this moment here, she's saying um, she has a proposition for Marion and offers him the nanny job and explains that how she saw him with Austin and Austin was laughing in this like infectious way. And it made you want to laugh with them and how there's been that kind of lacking in the household for a while. Also a very good LL Cool J line here too. When she says, I have a proposition for you. And he says, that's <laughs> flattering. I'll just take the apology. It's like another kind of out of the park line for him. She tells him the job pays 200 a week. He'll need to pick the kids up from school and drop them off every day, cook and do laundry. I'm like, that offer sucks. That's too much. That's a lot of work for 200 bucks. Yeah, because that job sucks, especially when you go through the money of it. So $200 in the inflation calendar from 95 to now is uh, $391 a week. 400 bucks? Nine. It's about $9 and change um, an hour. But that means it would be a yearly salary of uh, just a shade under 19 grand. So to be a full-time caretaker for two kids at 20 grand a year, that does not, that is not good. No, 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 no. They're only working from like two until like six, theoretically. Theoretically, she's working crazy late hours, though, too. So he's going to have to start working overtime. Also, not if he's doing if he's doing laundry and all that other stuff. He takes care of that when they're at school. So it's not just those hours. I don't think so. I think you would just lump that in at the same time. I think if you were going to renegotiate it, you would say I want to be paid hourly and not be paid uh, weekly. Because then you can get for all those extra hours if she's like, I'm going to be stuck at the office till midnight, you know what I mean, versus now your salary. And that's that's everything about salary, right? Sometimes salary is great. Sometimes salary means you work way more and get the same amount of pay. The only argument I can make for it is he's already there. But there's no commuting. I mean, working from home is pretty great. You don't have to go anywhere. Well, yeah, well, he does say he's like, well, I, I really do like your kids and I'm here all day anyway. Spiritually, it'd be good and fulfilling. It gives me a chance to focus on something other than myself. The answer is no. (laughs) And he's like, he explains to her, you know, the problem isn't with the kids, it's with you. I don't think you'd make a very good boss. And she's like, I'm not dealing with this. And she's like, goes to walk off. And then she turns back again and knocks on the door a second time. You get the, who is it? Which is funny because obviously you know who it is. And she offers more money. He says, it's not that. She then says, you don't have to do the laundry. He says, it's not that either. And that's when she's like, so what can I give you? And that's when this turns into an adult film. This does get a little sexy here. Oh, it does. Just real quick, doing the laundry. This is my first thought, and it's kind of weird, but it's like, okay, so you're doing everybody's laundry. Are you also doing her laundry? So, like, are you doing her underwear and stuff, too? Or is she giving you everything that's not, like, intimates? And then once a week, she has to do, like, her underwear? Just her own? Personally, I would agree to do the laundry and refuse to fold it and put it away. I mean, that's the easiest part of laundry, right? Yeah, I fucking hate putting laundry away. The pressing the button part? Yeah, that, that yeah pressing the button and pouring the stuff in is easy. It's the two hours that. of folding. That's no fun, yeah. His reply to, you know, what can I give you is, I want you to give me a compliment. And she goes, please take the money. <laughs> he says she hadn't said one nice thing to him since she got there. And he goes, just because I'm big and fine doesn't mean I don't have feelings. 
which gotten ooh from the audience. Ooh, LL, you fine. So she agrees, but first, as she's about to say it, stops and goes, "Wait, do you sleep with that hat on?" And he goes, uh, he kind of rolls his eyes out. He's like, "Fine, fine, I'll say something nice." I thought the same thing, by the way. The hat, yeah. yeah. Did he like put it on when he got out of bed? But I like that they address it. Yeah, me too. That's LL's thing. He always wears a hat and he never wears a shirt. It seems opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so here she's going, um, Marion, you have a very nice chest. And then his response is, thank you, Jackie. So do you. And that's how the episode <laughs> closed. She kind of takes a step away and like she kind of like covers herself as he shuts the door. And um, I thought it was an interesting end of the show because when you see these two characters, I'm not under the impression that this is supposed to become romantic. Uh, no, you could tell that that's where it's going to head, though. No, there is no will they, won't they? They have no chemistry that way. Yeah, I didn't. I never thought that that's where they were going to be going with this. No, I thought I thought that's where it was at some point. Not now, but I don't know what their actual age difference was, but she comes off a lot older than him. she was 45 in this. I forget how old he was in this, but. Yeah, it didn't come off to me that this was supposed to be romantic. I don't know if they went there. I can't remember. But so, like, the whole line about, like, her complimenting his chest, then him just reciprocating. Him reciprocating makes sense, but her saying that is a compliment. Well, it was right there. Yeah, but she could have said anything about his kindness or anything else. And you have a beautiful home. You have a great heart. I can tell by how good you are with my children. Okay, he was super young. So he was only like 28 years old when this came out. So if she's. 45 and he's 28. I mean, like, look, that's not a problem. We've gone on record numerous times about my feelings about older women being very attractive. It's not that. I just don't see him a big football player. She's got kids. She's got baggage. She's got issues. Like, I don't see that turning into something for him. No. Plus, he's super rich. Well, he was super rich until all the Lexuses. Lexuses? Lexus? Lexi? And, and apparent Lexi. Ta- a tax evasion. Although this is good, though, because now he's got her working for that law firm. He might need a good tax evasion lawyer, right? Looks like it's a pretty high-priced uh, high firm she's working for. Yeah, but it seems like she sucks at her job and won't be able to get that connection. Well, I think that her personality will persevere at some point because the other lady's mean, too. So they'll probably get mean friends. That was the conclusion of the episode, though. Again, kind of a weird last line to go with. But nonetheless, that's, that's the end of it. That being said, we only have four out of five. So there's always a tie potential. Either way, Nick will eventually give us his vote, and that'll go on our Instagram, so you'll see that S21 pod again if you want to check that out. I don't think there's anything left to do other than give it the green light or cancel, so Joe, I'm starting with you. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is not a great show, right? Uh, El Cool J does have some great moments. He's very charismatic in it. I think he's really good. I know it sounds like a weird thing to be like, I think all of the stuff we wrote was better for it, but I still think that would make a much better TV show. I like some of the cultural reference stuff. Some of the jokes were just a little too uh, obvious, right? Like the intercom stuff where you're like, oh, don't do this. I remember liking this show when it was new. I watched more than one episode. Like I said, I still know a joke from some episode of it. So that says something that it stuck in my brain then at least. But I could never imagine watching more of this. It just couldn't couldn't do it. I can't give this anything. It's uh, LL Cool J is great, but this is not a good show. Ferg. Yeah, I love LL. I went into the show blind. I never watched this back in the day, uh, so I didn't even know the premise. But the daughter, just start off with the daughter being so unlikable and rubbed me the wrong way early. And then the mother is just so unlikable throughout the show. And a show with four characters and two of them are just very hated. I, I can't pass that. I think he did phenomenal and he really earned that job as the cook in Deep Lucy. So LL gets a green light, but 
in the house does not cancel. Now, what if we put Deep Blue Sea characters, uh, the characters from this into Deep Blue Sea, and then we can just watch the ones, you know, the ones we don't like get eaten by a shark, and then we can have best of both worlds? Well, sign me up. If I can see him walking down an aisle going, bird, bird, <laughs> and then the, the daughter gets eaten by a shark, sign me up. As long as Janice from Sopranos gets eaten still, too, we're good. <laughs> Gordo. Not much to say about this show. It sucked. The only good thing about this show was LL Cool J and LL Cool J's interaction with Austin. If it was just the LL Cool J one-liners, I'm 100% in on this. But that cast does not work. I understand why NBC retooled it, because that family dynamic with him just doesn't work, but there's definitely something with LL Cool J, so cancel from me. Yeah, so guys, I'm not straying away from you guys. I'm going to cancel also, but... It's weird because, like I said, I picked this show because I remember liking it growing up. And even then, there's shows that we like that the pilots aren't that strong. But I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff that needs work here. And even, um, you know, you guys keep talking about the mom and the sister, but the boss, Heather, she was like just so mean. And I don't know. It was just it was one of those things where I really liked every time LL was on. And I think a couple casting changes would have helped. I think that Tiffany's character needed to be younger. And I think you needed to replace Jackie's character and have an actress that maybe would have been a little bit more will they, won't they when you see them together. Because I think they had good acting chemistry together, but the way like that episode closed where they're kind of making it look like there could be a romantic thing doesn't work with these two actors. They don't look, it doesn't make sense. But that being said, yeah, I have to cancel it. Nick's vote will not affect the overall for this because we're already at enough cancels. So I'm sorry to end the house. We are not passing you. You do not get the green light. No episode two for you. But that being said, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening every week. I remind you again, please go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to everywhere we can listen to us, all our social medias, email if you want to contact with business inquiries. All that stuff is there. It's available for you right there, s1e1pod.com. Go check that out. But yeah, that's it, guys. We'll catch you back next week with another new episode. So keep tuning in, spread the word, let people know that we exist. But thank you, guys. Catch you next week. Goodbye. I think we got the best super freak. I think we got the best fine chest.